about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. The Four Horsemen Podcast. From Phoenix to ABQ, from the Granite State, all the way to ABQ, by the way of Ozymandias. Your favorite podcasters are live to bring you a crazy handful of nothing straight from the gray matter. It's week two, and the cat's in the bag, and the bad's in the river. Everyone in college football is an idiot. And we're here to bring you a recap of week one, or... Feels like it was two weeks ago because the NCAA schedule is a fucking week two by week. Uh, Michigan still sucks. Notre Dame's criminally underrated. And Trevor Lawrence is a bitch. For the sake of posterity, the time of this podcast, we are four days out from the Notre Dame New Mexico game. Uh, before I go any further, Dylan, here's your green light to introduce this week's fourth horseman. Our fourth horseman this week, coming by way of the great state of New York, I believe. Um, please welcome Jake. I'm sure a lot of you guys know him. He's pretty active on Notre Dame football Twitter, and we're very happy to have him as our fourth horseman. Sup? So, Jake, this is going to be a rough, no stuff type of deal. Uh, this is your pilot episode here. So what we're going to be doing today, uh, we're really going to hit some key points. We're going over Louisville. Uh, we do something called the Four Horsemen of the Week. Uh, we'll yep. be doing all of that right now. Uh, so we're ready to hit it. Uh, really, just before we begin, I have a quick rant. I feel like I've been bit by a dead bee. I shaved my beard this week. Uh, not great. So uh, never shave your face. If anyone's out there, if a razor company would like to sponsor me, I will not take it. I miss my beard. Um, the game itself also felt like it was bit by a dead bee. Uh, felt like Notre Dame was playing peekaboo in the first half. Uh, so really, that's all I got. I was unimpressed by the game. I watched it in double time, so I didn't have to listen to the announcers. Uh, so the first half, I don't have any comments on. Uh, but I'll let you guys take it away. Sure. Well, I think we should give Jake the first uh, crack at the Four Horsemen, uh, what he thought of the game. Um, uh, obviously, uh, the start to the game was not uh, um, optimal. Uh, it well we did we did score first I believe but then um... <coughs> sorry uh, so obviously the start to the game was uh, not optimal we did go ahead first to start off but then Louisville um, went in front um, so the first quarter was definitely. Uh, not optimal, but it was good to be leading by halftime. But even then, the performance was still really not up to standard for what Notre Dame should be performing like against a Louisville team like that. Um, obviously, the second half was uh, a lot better than that. Um, I felt like, you know, it, it was either the offense was playing very well and the defense wasn't, or the defense was playing out outstanding and uh, the... Uh, Offense wasn't. I think I made that observation on Twitter. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. Um, 
Our uh, our team was weird. Um, we started off really really well. Um, the thing the trouble was is Louisville had a quarterback that was really difficult to defend. Um, those kind of run first quarterbacks. Um, and I, I put on Twitter too. I think once we figured them out, we were going to stop them, which which we did. Um, I think everybody overreacted. So if you guys want a sober thought during a game, follow me on Twitter. Um, everybody's kind of you mean Notre Dame fans are chicken little with their head cut off. That's yeah. Weird. We're and surprisingly, um, the three of us, um, Steve P and myself, and surprisingly Steve, we were all very calm. Uh, we, we didn't feel too bad. Um, I think it was just kind of. You know, first week sloppiness. Uh, Got to figure out the the Louisville defense. Um, Ian Book kind of wasn't so great in the first half there, um, but it wasn't too bad. Look, we won by eighteen. We almost covered the spread, but I don't want to talk about that right now. Um, I think uh, look, a win's a win. It was a it was a big win, not uh, as big as we wanted. Um, I did say before the game, I tweeted out. Um, 40 plus points and no more than 17, and we had won 35-17. So we almost hit my my threshold for what have been a good game. So I think it's just kind of the offense, and we'll kind of get into the stats later, but uh, I'll let Steve get his take in. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, worth noting, uh, Louisville, last week, they played, you know, a, a FCS team. Yeah, they played Eastern Kentucky, but they went on to blow them out 42 nothing. Um, that's basically expected, but you know, for a team that was what two, two and ten last year, three and nine, something along those lines, they struggled a lot. Boy, did they come out with some juice. Uh, so y- you have to give Louisville credit, and and we know that we're going to get ninety nine percent of the time, ninety five percent of the time, we're getting every team that we play, we're getting their best game. Uh, that's that's kind of the bump of of Notre Dame. It, um, you know, another Notre Dame bump is even th- through two weeks of college football, you know, we have the fourth most watched game in, in all of college football. And, and it was against Louisville. So people get up for ND uh, is essentially the, the talking point here. So I, I didn't panic as much as I, I normally would. If this was like a 27-13 game, I would have been, you know, the sky would be falling. But at the end of the day, we gave up touchdowns on the first two drives uh, to a, a very mobile quarterback. And then we settled in and absolutely dominated and gave up an additional three points in garbage time. So, um, by all intents and purposes, it was a chess match to start and then pure domination on the defensive side of the ball. There's definitely some some concerns uh, on the offense. Uh, namely, and I'm sure we're going to get very much so into this um, you know, at some point in the, com- in the conversation today. Uh, Ian Book, we... He was protected last year very much so from his kryptonite, and his kryptonite was the rush. And our offensive line got better this year, uh, although there were some times where they kind of struggled. But if if this is going to be a playoff contending team, Ian Book needs to find a way to figure out how not only to hang on to the ball for one extra second and make the – you know, the necessary reads, but pre-snap, I mean, I, I counted off four or five times where pre-snap, it was very obvious where the pressure was coming from. And a field general quarterback is going to call the appropriate hot routes, the appropriate uh, shifts in offensive line coverage and let everyone know, you know, here's what we're doing to adjust to this blitz because it's coming and it's obvious. He didn't do it. 
he was running around a lot of the time in the pocket like a chicken with his head cut off. So that's that's the concerning part of if anything, which is, you know, Ian, we've made the argument and the talking points. He's a top 10 college QB looking this year to make him a top five and and looking into getting into the, the first four rounds of the draft. Realistically, um, it didn't look like he was an NFL ca- caliber quarterback last night. Didn't look like he was uh, a college football playoff caliber quarterback. La- uh, not last night, last last week. So. That was that was definitely the most concerning part. But other than that, um, holy shit, we got a talented team, and, and th- I, I'm excited. There's concern, but I'm excited. It's interesting to hear your take there on Ian Book because we will get into that in a bit. Um, but I think we should move on to the four horsemen. So um, I, I, I don't get should... I don't get a game recap. I thought you were done. I thought you did your little <laughs> little, little rant. My my little rant here is my three bullet points. Uh, the defense or the offense that we were facing was a Caballos and Nombre, uh, really a horse without a name, so we had no tape on them. Uh, Ian Book was Kafka-esque. He sucked, and then he turned into a magical butterfly. Uh, and really, throughout the rest of the season, there's no more half men all the way through because another game like this will plummet them in the rain. Those are my points. Dylan, continue. All right, so we heard about half of those. Um, Jake, do you want to get the first crack at the four horsemen if you had a look at them? Uh, for mine, uh, hold on, I have it written down. Um, I had, um, Trumbull, Hamilton, Jones, and, uh, uh, couldn't really sign on fourth, but I went with Smith since he had two touchdowns. No, fair point. Um, I'll just give you mine now. We'll, we'll keep going in this rotation. Um, my first... <laughs> Horseman is, of course, the greatest receiver to ever play college football from the greatest country ever, Chase Claypool. Um, he had five receptions for 94 yards for 18.8 average. Um, no touchdowns there, but he came in critical moments in the game. Um, I think of that one where he he kind of just dominated the ball and then ran the length of the sidelines and then took 20 yards. You know, he's kind of got that really big athletic type to him, and I think he's going to be a monster this year. Um, my second one was uh, Aloe Gilman. Um, love him. He got 10 tackles, six solo tackles, um, half tackle for loss, and he recovered a fumble. I thought he was all over the place. Um, really impressed with him. Um, third, I went with, uh, I'm sure, Steve's boy, um, Drew White. Um, five tackles, three solo. He got a sack on the game. Two for loss and one pass deflection. Um, that's unreal for a first game ever for a, a linebacker. Um, really impressed with Drew White. I think he's going to be really solid, but I'm just going to, I'm not going to take the thunder there from Steve because I think that's his boy. Um, and then fourth, I went with Tony Jones Jr. Um, although I hate myself for picking him, but because we'll get into that later. But 15 carries for uh, 110 yards, 7.3. Uh, per rush and one touchdown. Um, overall, I think the offensive line did a good job in the first half. Second half, we just kind of fell off the wagon offensively. It was like Jake said earlier, with defense was going, the offense wasn't. When the offense was going, the defense wasn't. But kind of like Steve said earlier, um, the defense locked down in the second half. And I think there's a myth, I think, out there that I kind of like to touch on is that the defense struggled and the defense didn't look good. I, I see a lot of that from Notre Dame fans. And I think the reality is the defense was really good. Um, I thought it played after it settled in the defense. It gave up some yards, but not, nothing much. Lots of turnovers. Um, and I thought they settled in nicely. And, you know, you got a whole new linebacker crew there. 
Um, so I think that was overall a first good game. Um, and those were my four horsemen. Yeah, I'll go. Um, oh, Steve, you go. No, no. You, kind sir. It's all you. Cool. Uh, first one, Jay Bramblett, the punter. Three punts, 194 <laughs> yards. He's going to be a stud. Jay Bramblett, say my name, Bramblett. Uh, second one, Kyle Hamilton. Like him. He's tall. He's lanky. Uh, third one, Smith. Uh, two touchdowns, like Jake said. Really can't take away from him there. Um, so, um, honing in on, on the four horsemen and... You know, just to uh, to go off of Kyle Hamilton quickly, I mean, holy fucking shit. Uh, this kid is the – he's the real truth, man. He is the next Eric Berry. Yeah. This is the type of guy in the secondary that we have needed for so long. And I did not think he was going to get as quick as playing time as he did. He had 28 snaps, uh, 14 uh, in the dime package, which allowed a Lowy Gilman. I'm outside if, if anyone didn't notice. Um Four, uh, 14 snaps in the dime package, which allowed Aloe Gilman to kind, of, to kind of crash down a little bit more, get involved, uh, get after the quarterback, get get involved on, on short uh, passing routes, uh, which actually led to that forced fumble by Aloe Gilman. And then uh, he he played his remaining 14 snaps, just uh, you know rotating in and getting some rest for for Aloe Gilman or or jeez, uh, um, why can I never think of anyone's name? Who's our other safety? Elliot. Jalen Elliott, thank you very much. So, yeah, I mean, uh, he's not one of my four horsemen, but holy shit, uh, that kid is fantastic. Uh, as for my actual four horsemen, to get into it, have to go with Tony Jones. Um, you know, after Jafar Armstrong went down, uh, RIP, I'd, I'd play a song, but I'd get us, like, sued again or something. Um, <laughs> 110 yards. Touchdown, seven point three average. He was really moving the ball. There were some there were some questionable play calls um, where they were giving him the ball on like third and shorts. And normally I would agree with it because we have a, a big bruising offensive line. But they called like three or four of those plays where he was getting stuffed and just don't become predictable for fuck's sake. But overall, obviously, Tony played great, and we're gonna need him to week in and week out to get to the point that we need to be. Um, my second, Drew White. You gave him all the statistics before. He had a sack. He had a pass breakup. Um, yeah, and he was playing maybe a third to a half, a third of the game to the about the half of the game because they they were, uh, you know, cycling and rotating in talent at the uh, the middle linebacker, inside linebacker position. So for him to stand out with uh, with limited snaps, uh, he had a re- very calming presence. I know it's taken him three years to get onto the field, but. Uh, this is now an experienced guy in the locker room and on the practice field, and, and he really let it fly uh, on the game field. Uh, so, so that was that was great. Um, Chase Claypool, five for ninety-four yards. He exactly like you described. He had that ridiculous catch and run. Thank God, no concussion at the end of that. Uh, very much so. He reminds me of Equinemius St. Brown. Did I say that correctly? Equinemius. Equin Equinemius. Equinemius, Saint Brown, um, tall, explosive after he makes the catch, and um, very high on on Chase uh, after after that game. I I always thought that he was uh, like a B plus receiver, and and I think he showed real ability to to start to stretch the field and and become a next level impact player in, at this level and in the NFL. So that's awesome. Um, 
And then my last horseman is Oga. <laughs> One moment. I want to make sure I get this right. Ade Kumbo Ogundeji. Uh, he is from Michigan. He was a three-star athlete originally when he he got uh, recruited by us. He played sparingly last year, but uh, Adi Ogundeji, uh, I mean, he had three tackles, one for loss, including a forced fumble that Jay Hayes came up with. Uh, he is tall, he is athletic, he is quick, and he is strong. And, you know, for a, uh, a backup defensive end, it's promising that he is such a talent. Uh, so that way we can get in some rotation with our top guys, and, and we know that we're not going to have a big drop-off in terms of, of talent uh, on the depth chart, and, and that's what championship teams are made out of. So that I'm excited about him. He had a hell of a game with the forced fumble. Real Good stuff. Quick, um, you saying that fumble thing reminded me. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in the Notre Dame locker room at halftime after fumble, fumble, fumble happened. What do you think Kelly said to all of them? Because he was pissed a book. Uh, so that that's just a thought there. It, it would have definitely been interesting to be in the locker room uh, at that time. That yeah, is- for sure. Um, so just to kind of finish up with Louisville, I'll, I'll throw out some generic stats um, I, I kind of took a peek at. So um, 193 passing yards for Notre Dame to 134 for Louisville. Um, that's just unacceptable, but um, that's what they were. Um, what's important there, though, is 8.4 yards per attempt, which is decent. Um, not great, but it's all right. Versus 4.8 for Louisville. And that's kind of the thing. If you're watching that game in the second half, it was Louisville can't throw the ball on us. They won't throw the ball on us. They don't want to. And when they did, it was very short. Um, so that's another good stat from the, at least from the defensive perspective, but also one that I think Louisville might want to have to to look at going forward. Um, this is a key one because I'm going to talk about running the ball later. Um, but Notre Dame averaged 5.5 rushing yards per attempt versus Louisville's 5.3. The reason that's important is because they were both over 10 to start the half and they end up at five because regression. Um, turnover battles where the game was won. Um, one turnover for Notre Dame versus three for Louisville. Um, defense was really good getting on the ball. I mean, one of them was a fluke, but whatever. Um, and then lastly, surprisingly, we were actually out-possessed by Louisville. Louisville had 32 minutes of time of possession. We had 28. Um, that's probably because Louisville stuck to the run in the second half. Um, and when Notre Dame started throwing the balls, when they started really moving and getting points on the board. Um, so that just kind of wraps up Louisville. What I wanted to talk about now was kind of Ian Book, because uh, Steve touched on Ian Book um, playing poorly, and I think everybody who watched it would have thought that Ian Book was playing poorly. And I'd like to start it off with a caveat that Ian Book missed a lot of opportunities, right? There was some things early in the game that he could have done better, um, but I think we're actually holding him to a very high standard. And the reason I bring that up is Ian Book's QBR, um, which is a very fancy quarterback stat developed by ESPN based on expected points added. It's a really good stat. Anyway, his QBR for the game was 79.6, which actually isn't bad. That's a fairly decent score. The reason I bring that up is that his QBR average last year was 80.1. He was a little bit below average last year, which I nobody felt like that. Like, we all felt like he was pretty underperforming. But I feel like that could be the standard we set for Ian Book. We expect him to be a Heisman candidate. We expect him to be a lot better. Um, 
he had 145 passer rating against Louisville. Passer rating is a very flawed one, but that's just to give you an idea. Uh, his average last year was 162. So he, he was below average. Um, but I don't think it was as poor as we think. I think there was a lot of mistakes that could have gone better um, in the first half especially. Um, but it is one I think Steve brought up where if we, we want to be a playoff team, Ian Book's got to be better. And I think I do agree with that. Um, but it's just interesting to look back into the statistics and see that I think our – initial perception of the game was way worse than it was later in the autopsy so uh, i'll let you get a word in steve yeah and and i want to clarify ian still had a good game uh when he had a clean pocket he he made the throws he absolutely made some big time throws when the pocket was clean and majority of the time the pocket will be clean because he uh we have an offensive line that's that's just phenomenal um it's just what I, the the fact that he's running around the pocket, sprinting around for dear life against Louisville. What happens when it's Alabama or Clemson, and that that's what has me concerned, because I know that he's going to be okay for the rest. Of, you know, against fucking New Mexico, what are they going to do? We're going to be okay against them. We're going to be okay against Stanford. I mean, they they're still rebuilding. They're okay. I mean, USC comes to town. They have some athletes, some four-star guys. At the end of the day, I'm not very worried about their defensive line. Michigan has some talent that's going to be replaced, but it's unproven. So that's there's a little bit more you know, high alert concern there. But we're going to be okay in the regular season in, in the grand scheme of things. I just I, I want him to take that next step. I think he's capable of doing it. it it's just terrifying to think that Louisville... Um, was making him look very mediocre with with you know when they're able to to drop seven rush four and and still have him sprinting around it, it was just shades of of uh, of the cotton bowl and and that's what was terrifying to me so ian book very good quarterback will he get a great quarterback that's yet to be seen Obviously, the concern concerns are out on the table, but I mean, overall, I mean, I think he think he still had a good game. Um, you know, just just not what we exactly as you had described is is up to expectation at this point. Yeah, yeah. and if we can uh, kind of move that into another quarterback section, I know uh, our before, friend Jake kind of wanted to get something in. Yeah, before we get to that, that's why I was raising up my mic to raise my hand there. Uh, I don't think Ian Book is that intelligent. Hot take. I, I thought about that. I don't think he has the wherewithal without tape to be good against the team. He does. He is a good quarterback, but he does not have the football IQ that you need to be a great quarterback. There's no tape on Louisville. There will be what one week of tape on New Mexico. I wouldn't be surprised to see him struggle this week as well. Uh, that is my hot take there. Uh, just because he needs the tape. He can evaluate the tape. He just doesn't have smarts to figure out how to put what he's practiced into a game situation. But let's hit our uh, our favorite human ever. Uh, Jake had a topic he wanted to bring up. The guest topic of the week is brought to you by Packy. Packy Tequila. Drink some. Connor Dew, send me my bottle now. We have a new sponsorship, guys. Jake, hit us up with this new uh, new topic. What do you want to talk about? Uh, so I want to talk about uh, Phil Jerkovich. Um, so 
Kelly, uh, let me find a tweet. He says they're preparing three quarterbacks for uh, New Mexico. So, obviously, the thinking is there could be a situation where we see Phil get in the game. Uh, I know I didn't watch spring game, but I know apparently he did not have an optimal uh, offseason uh, in regards to his development. I just want to see how... Uh, Everybody uh, views uh, him long-term at Notre Dame and uh, if they think we'll get a look at him on Saturday. Yep. Who wants to touch that one first? I'll take it. Uh, you know, I call next. We are a big PJ podcast here. Uh, he is our, uh, our problem dog who is just in the kennel right now barking away, uh, <laughs> waiting to get out on the field. Uh, he is a, a voracious runner. He's a awesome passer. He's a beautiful man. Um, and I think he'll be able to play the game. It's one of those things where we're going to blow New Mexico out. New Mexico out. Ian Book shouldn't be playing the fourth quarter. Georgia's the following week. I'll see uh, Phil in. Yeah, I'll say he'll throw 10 passes. He'll complete eight of them. He'll throw a touchdown. And if we're going to get nuts here, he'll run in for a touchdown as well. Steve, let me tell you about Phil Jerkovich. I wanted to see my baby boy out there last week, and he didn't get in. Um, you know, Louisville put up a little bit too too good of a fight for for uh, for the backups to get some time. Obviously, we expect that against uh, against New Mexico, um, and I am absolutely giddy. I have. Butterflies in my stomach knowing that we are, what, 72 hours away from me seeing my beautiful baby boy take the field and probably throw like six touchdowns uh, in the fourth quarter alone when we're up already 56 to nothing. Uh, I, I don't care about the spring game. I've read all the, all the articles since then, and uh, Coach Tommy Reese has already come out and said, listen, you know, he's made every single improvement along the way. Everything is incremental. Young kids, more often than not, don't just step into a college program, especially Notre Dame, and just excel. So you need some time to develop. He is going to be perfectly fine. And uh, he, he is the chosen one. He is the chosen one. And I, I don't want to look like Qui-Gon Jinn in a couple of years yelling at Anakin um, yeah. you know, that he should have been the chosen one and, and that everything is going down in flames because that is not going to happen. Because he's going to have a great offensive line, he's going to have great receivers, and he is going to lead us to the promised land, and that is my beautiful baby boy, Phil. Dylan needs hazard pay for being on this podcast with us. We are in love with Phil Jerkovic. Uh, he, he is good, and he's going to show it. That, that's okay. all I got. First off, I think it was Obi-Wan. Who said that to Anakin? Not quite. Nerd. I knew I screwed up instantly, and I was so mad that I fucked up the reference. But yeah, well, I called you it. on it. I'd like to everybody know if you go back into the archives, I was very much on the Phil train as our Lord and Savior. In fact, I kind of wanted him to be the quarterback last year. Um, I'm kind of cooled on Phil. Um, the spring game didn't help. Uh, I don't know what to think because we have a very good uh, quarterback behind him, and we have a very good one coming. In Drew Pine, um, so two very good ones. Brendan Clark as well. He threw for he combined nine touchdowns uh, the other night. So 
I'm sorry, not I thought, I thought high school I'm recruits sorry, didn't matter, not, P. Not Brendan Clark. I'm thinking Tyler Butchner, TB12, yep. nine touchdowns. Uh, high school doesn't matter, but that's my stat of the day, Dylan. Uh, you can bury me with that blood money right there. All right. Um, I anticipate Singfell to answer your second part of your question because um, you got to keep in mind we have that new NCAA rule about four games for a red shirt. So I think we'll see the third string quarterback as well because New Mexico, if you look at that game on the schedule, it's probably the easiest game we'll have all year. It's at home, home opener. Um, New Mexico isn't really good. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, and I think green. we'll see Phil. Um, oh, yeah, we do play Bowling Green. Well, you know, those are the two games you'll probably expect to see the quarterbacks. I don't know if Phil can carry a second red shirt two years in a row. I'm not sure about that. Only only if he gets hurt. Which only if he gets hurt. Right. But um, So that might be more pertaining to the third quarterback. But we'll see, I imagine, um, Phil, probably in the fourth quarter. Um, hopefully by then the game's over um, and you can get Phil some time because he needs to start throwing the ball at a college level. Um, yeah, that's kind of just where I stand on it. Uh, is he the long-term quarterback? Probably. Um, I don't know for sure. We have to see more out of him. Um, yeah, that's 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 kind of it. Do you have any thoughts, Jake? Uh, I'd just like to uh, maybe add a little bit about uh, Clark. Does, uh, do we think we see him too? Like, what do we think the breakdown of like QB time might be Saturday optimally? Optimally, I, um, Ian Book was out by halftime. Yeah, uh, you got Phil in the third quarter, and you bring Clark in for the fourth. That I don't awesome. think it's going to be quite like that. Although I'd love that; that would be great if, if you know, Ian That's, can throw for for three fifty by halftime and end that thing thinking. and be up thirty five nothing. It'll probably be at the very end of the third quarter, if not the beginning of the fourth quarters, when Phil uh, comes in, if if all goes according to plan, and then maybe Brendan Clark, uh, you know, sees maybe one, possibly two drives at the end. Yeah, I I hope we see more of uh, Phil than the uh, Giants got to see of Daniel Jones on uh, last Sunday. Uh, just like to add that as a Giants fan. Um, Although, optimally, in the latter's case, he would be starting. But that's another issue for another time. Fair enough. Um, so, unless we have anything else to, to touch on with the quarterbacks, um, I'm going to bitch about running the ball. Dylan? So, I'll give you your Dylan? moment, but then I'm going to to just have at it. I'll, I'll let you have your moment. But as a confession here... You're absolutely a rabid dog on this topic. You're, you're crazy. So I'll crazy, say that beforehand. Right. You, no, you're not crazy right. Running the... I'll get into that after, but you're, you're wrong. Okay. That is a preface okay. of your little rant here. You're wrong. No mas. So during the game, we were running the ball well to start the game. 10 yards per carry. And by the second half, we were barely getting anything. And what a surprise. Something called regression exists. Um, it happened for both teams. Um, you can't sustain 10 yards per carry normally. Um, but people kept insisting on running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. The problem is, is that statistically, it is not evident that running the ball provides any kind of benefit at the current levels, the current way we're running the ball. So the math behind it is something called expected points added. Um, you can go, I recommend it. Um, I believe his name Ben Baldwin on Twitter, works with The Athletic. He is the revolutionary on it. And it's for the NFL, but it applies very similarly. 
um, to college football. And the issue here is that running the ball does not yield a high expected points at it. Throwing the ball does. Um, running the ball also doesn't suggest uh, it's a lower success rate. And the success rate is defined as so many yards per carry versus a pass, you know, how many uh, yards per pass. Um, and I, I would encourage people to check it out. Look at the data on running the ball. It's low. Um, there's an app that Ben had just published for the NFL season um, that's a live box score of points. Um, and unless your name's Saquon Barkley, um, running backs have very little expected points added versus quarterbacks. It's just the way it works. Throwing the ball is much more likely to add points to you, to your team, than running the ball. And when you run the ball, you get predictable. And running is also highly predicated on things like the offensive line, the scheme, defensive personnel. So are they stacking the box or not? There is definitely a moment in time and a moment in the game to run the ball. The optimal number is not zero. But continuously running the ball is not good it is inefficient it is just not the best way to move the ball forward it's not the best way to score so when i see people with the old man take the old football mind take of run the ball meat and potatoes the t-wagon take the take that has no evidence at all for it it drives me nuts because guess when notre dame started winning when they started throwing the ball they went from having all this run success early that started slowing down on them because it's not sustainable and because teams can adjust to it and then they start throwing the ball, and that's when they start scoring. You get the ball out wide, you get it long, you get it past the markers. That's just statistically where you are more likely to find success, especially on downs like third and two. You know, how many times do we get stuffed third and two, third and one uh, on, on the run? So this is just a, a, a warning Way shot to everybody else. Way too many is the answer. Way too many. Way too many. Play action. You, I'm sorry, Jake, to bring this up again, but you just have to go watch and look at the stats of the Dallas Cowboys-New York Giants game. Dak Prescott... 74% something like was play action call and like the high success rate that the Cowboys were having throwing the ball on play action on first down was just unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the way you, you score. It's the way you move the ball. So when people are complaining on Twitter, run the ball, run the ball. It drives me nuts. I'm sorry, guys. It's predictable. It's not efficient. Running backs are extremely replaceable, which is why I'm not worried about Dexter Williams be leaving at all. Um, so, I'm going to leave you with that. Hopefully, those who don't know about it, like myself, I used to be a run-the-ball guy. Um, I encourage people to look into it, look into the numbers, look into the stats. Um, they bear out something that's um, very revolutionary in football, and it's something we're moving towards. And the best teams in the NFL are doing it, and the best teams in the college football are going to start doing it too. Well, Dylan, that was rude of you to say about Dexter Williams. We miss him every day, 22 <laughs> for life. Uh, and you really do have the market cornered here. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I don't think I can be your Hermano uh, in this because I'm a big three yards on a cloud of dust type of guy. If you can run the ball at will at your opponent, uh, that's what I teach. So that's where I'm at there. Steve, hit it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm actually a very happy medium. Uh, yeah, run the ball until they prove that they can't stop it. Right. Um, but once they've already stuffed you, make some adjustments. Simple play action pass. Tommy Tremble, like, welcome to the fucking league. Incredible, uh, you know, first game. He, he only had, what, three receptions, but he made an impact. Uh, he's, a, he's a great t- tight end. I mean, we are tight end university as of recent history. It's not hard to have play action, roll out, and then have a tight end wide open on a flag route. And at the very least, 
play action, you look for downfield. If something's open, you got them. You got a 6'5 receiver on one side. You got uh, talented tight ends. You have multiple of them. And then you also have a running back to check it down to. And then if all else fails, if you have to make it two yards for a first down on, on third and two, you have a guy that, as we know, can scramble. We, he scrambles a little bit too early sometimes because he can't handle the pressure sometimes. So, like, Ian, has, he can play action, pass first, check down second, run the ball third. Like, you have all the options, RPO or whatever the hell they want to call it. Like, don't get me wrong. The first third and one, third and two, absolutely. Try to run it down their throat too because Tony Jones was averaging 7.3 yards per carry. He was cutting them up, and our offensive line was bullying them. You get stuffed. Maybe you want to try it one more time because you think it's a fluke, but at the end of the day, they start stacking the box, make an adjustment, and the play calling in this game was maddening, and that was crazy. So I'm a happy medium here. When when it when you need to, it's not hard to throw the ball for two yards. Uh, simultaneously, if if they're not going to stack that box, you know, take advantage and run right through them. Just play the situation. Play the situation. So I'm, I have no problem with, with calling a play action pass in, the, in, in some of those situations. And, and yeah, I, I think that they were not passing as much as they needed to, and especially stretching out the field, which is another weakness that, that Ian has showed. Uh, you know, they should have stretched it out significantly earlier. So, um, you know, th- throw the football in, in today's day and age. But, I, again, I'm, I'm a healthy mix. You know, if, if my ideal game – if I'm calling it, you got 60 plays, 35 passes, 25 rushes. Jake, you got the last word on uh, if Dylan's idea about passing the ball first is uh, correct or if he should be running the ball like a good Notre Dame running back should be. Um, I think I'll agree with him mostly. Uh, I think it's becoming more of a passing game. I, uh, I think I'm sure Dylan knows where I uh, stand on that with regards to uh, Saquon uh, Barkley pick with uh, the Giants. I think, you know, it's not, I'm not saying, you know, it's it's not important to have a good running game, but when you look at optimally, you're going to be passing first and that's what you're going to be building your team around because it's, it's just more, it's more valuable uh, so I'm going to mostly stand with him, but I s- still hope the best, best for uh, Dexter Williams and uh, have him back soon. Fair enough. Should we move into uh, uh, New Mexico? Yes. So we're, yeah. what we're going to do now, just a quick uh, <coughs> New Mexico overview, uh, predictions, and then we're uh, I think we're done with the uh, project the uh, podcast for the day sounds so, good i uh, i got all the numbers here if you want me to run it down first and let you guys kind of pick it apart from there hit it all right so we'll start with the 2018 season for the new mexico lobos something stupid lobos um yes Do they have wolves in canada dylan you should know the spanish name for it I, we have wolves we don't have spanish people um so 2018 they went three and nine uh, one and seven in the Mountain West. Um, their wins, though, were not very impressive. They came against Incarnate World, uh, New Mexico State, and UNLV. Um, so they're not a good team last year. This year, a um, little more interesting. Their FPI after one week um, is negative twelve point three, which is a hundred ninth in college football. It's not very good. Their What's projected win loss. Dylan? 
Is that uh, like an it's, IFT? It's a it's a fancy stat ESPN made that nobody really understands. Um, but it's basically an index based on an aggregate of scores to kind of give you an idea of which teams are performing how well without regardless of win losses or uh, or rankings. So their projected win loss by that method is five and seven this year, um, which is interesting. That that could put them in bowl contention. Um, their week one game was against Sam Houston State, in which they barely won 39 to 31, and they had a bye week. So, um, to just kind of give a, a tale of the tape, um, looking at some of um, the efficiency scores, um, again on ESPN, it's pretty good for college football stats. Um, overall, Notre Dame's 11th, 11th in the country um, in efficiency, which is, again, a testament to not how we didn't play as bad as people think. Um, 89.7 is the score. That doesn't really matter. It's out of 100, I think. Um, New Mexico's 87th in the country total. Offense, uh, Notre Dame's the 19th most, most efficient team after, again, one game early. Um, New Mexico's 94th. Uh, Notre Dame's the 12th most efficient defense. New Mexico is 76th. And special teams, which don't matter, 66th for Notre Dame and 74th for New Mexico. So by all purposes, um, it looks like this should be a blowout. New Mexico was not good last year. They don't really look good so far this year. Uh, and Notre Dame is a lot better than I think people are giving them credit for, even after the first game, which actually wasn't that bad. Um, and if anyone is interested, the FPI on Notre Dame is seventh in the country right now, which suggests they're um, fairly fairly well ranked by the AP. And the projected win loss, as always, is ten and two. So I will let you guys carry away from there. Jake. Yeah. Hit me with your thoughts on what Dylan just said. I would What's your tend take? to agree. Uh, New Mexico is uh, not a great team. Uh, can't believe it. Um, I, I always laugh when I uh, hear about an uh, incarnate word because uh, that's just a funny name. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. This should be, uh, if Notre Dame cannot forget... Can't, can't win if they can't win this um without ease that would be uh kind of troubling i would have to say if if they don't just dispatch new mexico i would i would be a bit worried um going back to if he doesn't if he's not in by the fourth quarter i'd be very worried um i don't mean to say that that, that they should not be taken seriously because they should be but being realistic, it's not a tough opponent at all. It's not a great team. Uh, I know Bob Davey w- won't be traveling um, to the game. Uh, I don't know much else about them, but they are not very good. <laughs> Steven? 62-3. Yeah, I go right. Hitting that prediction. Jake, what's your prediction? Yeah, about somewhere along those lines. Um, I don't think it will be as bad as the uh, Oregon game, but I think it will be pretty bad. And uh, just to wrap up, for anyone gambling out there, Bob Davey did have a a heart attack after his week one overtime win. Uh, I'm glad that he's still kicking. Um, uh, Bob Davey hopeful, or Stan, whatever you want to call it, uh, big fan of his, so thank God Davey's still around, such that he's not traveling. Team could get up for the game in that regard. Defensive tackles out. 
quarterbacks out, a lot of unknowns, more teams that we don't have tape on. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Defensive coordinator is coaching in his first head coaching game uh, ever. So that's that. Uh, prediction, I'm saying Notre Dame 53, uh, New Mexico 12. I'll, uh, I guess I'll give my prediction too. Um, I have it 45-10 for Notre Dame. Um, I think we will oh, no. dominate them in the first half. Don't say that again. We lost it. We lost the prediction. Oh, you lost me? Oh. Um, now we got you. I think 45. Notre Dame will win 45-10 to 10 in my estimation. Um, I think they will uh, dominate the first half. I think basically we'll kind of put our pedal. The, the, we won't keep the, the pedal to the metal. We'll take our foot off of it. I think we will ease up in the third and fourth quarter. So I think we might score 35 in the first half, but only get you know, 10 points after that. Um, I think New Mexico will score. Um, there's Every team's got something tricky to deal with, um, whether that be garbage time or if they score realistically. Um, but, yeah, I think 45-10 would be a decent score. I know you guys are predicting something a little bigger. I'm just going to be a little more moderate, I think, after the Louisville week to not jump and assume that the other team is horrible um, right away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it'll be a convincing win that we dominate, and then we kind of just ease off in the second half. Awesome. Steve, any last words? Kyle Hamilton gets his first pick of his career, and that's about it. We destroy them, make Notre Dame great again. Uh, Jake, any last words? My mic wasn't on there, was it? Uh, it was not. Um... Uh, um, not really, but I agree with the uh, Hamilton uh, prediction. I'd like to see that. Uh, so, yeah. Do you have anything to say while you have this platform? Any kind of big statements, where to follow you, anything like that? Whatever you want, as long as it's legal. Uh, <laughs> uh, not really. Uh, I'm sure my my Twitter's uh, Jake87. Uh, you can follow me there if you want to. But not really. That's about it. Fair enough. Dylan. Um, let's just get a win. Let's get it big. No dramatic games. I'm kind of sick of uh, our Notre Dame Twitter melting down. So, uh, yeah, don't run the ball. Go Irish. Beat whatever team name the New Mexico team has. It's the Lobos. Uh, and if you hadn't realized throughout the, this whole podcast, I was using uh, Breaking Bad titles from the entire five seasons uh in my conversation tonight just to make it a little interesting i hit 31 out of the 62 uh titles so that's a game that we can all play along with uh i had a lot of fun doing that so other than that notre dame you know what's going to happen um the sky is going to fall as soon as one blade of grass gets misplaced at notre dame stadium uh and Really, just go Irish, beat Lobos.